We call it the high fertility cycle. And if you can get the herd into what we call a high fertility cycle, then you minimize the number of cows that have issues with a deep fat loss after, after calving. Welcome back, listeners, to the Dairy Science Digest. This is a podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to the ears of dairy producers. I'm Reagan Bluell from the University of Missouri Dairy Team, and each month I feature a fresh new article in press waiting to go to print. And for this August edition of the podcast, Dr. Keith Latham and Richard Persley joins us from Michigan State University. And we're going to discuss an article that's currently in press titled, The Effects of Early Lactation, Body Condition Score Loss in Dairy Cattle on Serum Lipid Profiles on the OSI and Cumulus Cell of Transcriptomes. So, Really, these these titles are so complicated, but really what we're talking about is that fresh cow that quickly loses body condition, and how does that mobilization of lipids affect her reproduction? Before we really get going, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, I'm Keith Latham, professor in animal science here at Michigan State. Hi, yeah, I'm Richard Persley, also a professor of animal science at Michigan State, and, and we both uh, work in the area of reproduction. Very good. And I was noticing on the paper that specifically reproductive developmental science program and comparative medicine integrative biology program. Uh, so you really delve into the deep end of reproduction. So the research project that you worked on in Michigan looked at cattle that were housed in freestall barns, fed a TMR, and specifically that that fresh window or or transition window where you looked at the body condition score prior to calving and then again after calving. And you were really trying to find a group of animals that changed that body condition score and you compared them to animals that did not change and the producer that you were working with up there in michigan they were feeding a additive a fatty acid additive to hopefully help prevent them from changing uh, but you were still able to capture uh, a handful of cattle that did have a body condition score change so that you could capture their granulosa cells from the reproductive track and analyze what they looked like. Tell us more about the structure of the project and and what you were really trying to determine. Okay, so there are several other data sets, some some that we published uh, before here at Michigan State and some at Wisconsin that evaluated cows that either lost body condition score, maintained body condition score, or gained during the first three weeks to a month after calving. And in our case, in our study, our first study here, we evaluated cows that either lost body condition or we, we called it maintained or gained. We just didn't have very many cows that actually gained body condition during the first month of lactation. So we just pooled those together. But it does look like from the standpoint of, of our data set and other data, the other data set at Wisconsin, that cows that lose a significant body condition have lower fertility when you go ahead uh, at the time you want to breed them, which would be most times two to three months later. So if they lose a lot of body condition in the first month after calving, that translates into lower fertility for those cows later on. Uh, if the cows maintain or gain, it appears they have an advantage in fertility over the cows that lose. So we wanted to know why that is. Why would cows have 
lower fertility if they lose lots of body condition score. And we chose cows that did not have any health events. In fact, in our previous data set, we had cows that, that had health problems that lost body condition after calving, but we kicked those out of our analysis to make sure that we were comparing only healthy cows that either lost body condition or maintained and gained. So with that in mind, we chose 10 cows from each group is where we started from actually. And so we had 10 cows that had body condition loss and we had 10 cows that either maintained or gained body condition. And what we wanted to know was, if, are the eggs, the oocytes, which uh, most people refer to as, as the egg and which gets fertilized by the sperm, right? Uh, are the eggs different in those two groups of cows? And that's one of the things that we can look at to see why there would be fertility differences between those two groups. Incredible. And and so let's let's kind of rewind just a little bit and emphasize the fact that we're looking at the body condition score change that occurs long before breeding. Really, those first 30 days of milk is is when she's going to be losing the condition that you were looking at that made her eligible to be in this body weight loss category that you were analyzing. So you zoomed in on a molecular level. What you find in the cumulus cells of those of those cows that lost excessive condition? So our focus was on the eggs. Um, we also collected the cumulus cells. So these were the eggs and the cumulus cells that are associated with the egg when they're ovulated. And so we did what's called a transcriptome analysis. That's basically just characterizing all the expressed genes in the egg or the vast majority of the expressed genes. The idea being that if the egg is affected in some way, that would be reflected in a change of gene expression and potentially caused by a change of gene expression. So having done that, the main things we observed were that were there were changes in gene expression that would be indicative of potential negative effects on Meiosis, that's the ability of the egg to divide, complete the meiotic division, which generates the gamete. Potential increases in lipid toxicity effects on the egg and potential effects that would be causing cellular damage, such as excess production of what are called reactive oxygen species, which can be very damaging to proteins and other structures inside of reduced egg quality which is something we didn't know going in, um, whether that would be a part of the fertility effect or not. And it appears that it is. And so you've got all of these uh, serum NIFAs that are mobilized to, to give the cow the fuel that she needs in early lactation that could be creating this kind of toxic environment for the oocyte or the egg to, to be exposed to. I know some producers like to see the transition cow maybe experienced one heat event prior to breeding. Is that some way that we can kind of trump this situation? Or is the exposure to those NIFAs in the body of the cow damaging more than just that first oocyte? Well, I'm not sure it's uh, it's a direct effect of the NIFAs in this case. The, the Keith can talk about that a little bit more. But it clearly the NIFAs in about six or seven of the 10 cows and the, and the uh, cows that lost significant body condition were much greater, even at the time of AI. 
So we took a sample, one blood sample, uh, just before we inseminated these cows. And uh, the cows that lost significant body score, most of the cows had still had high NEFAs compared to the cows that that were uh, in the maintaining and gain group. Keith, you want to comment on the potential effects of high NEFAs on fertility? Um, well, high NEFAs. So this is one of the Goldilocks things with egg biology. The, the egg needs a certain amount of available lipids in its environment. And the insufficiency of lipids is bad, but an excess of lipids can also be bad. So it, it needs just the right amount. So excess NEFAs can be deleterious to the oocyte. Other lipids can be deleterious to the oocyte or to other cell types. And we did see some other alterations in some of the other serum lipids as well. There's still a lot that's not understood about how different lipids affect oocyte biology or the biology of any cell. It's still very much an active area of, of, of study. So that's why we decided to characterize the serum lipid profile in a little more depth to get a little bit better understanding of what might be going on. But ultimately, looking at the gene expression pattern of, of the egg will tell us something about whether the egg characteristics are likely to be different as it appears. And then at all these cows, at least when we do these studies, it's not an ovulation problem either. So it's... Yeah, right. Uh, and I, you guys only selected the ones that responded to the double off sync. I think the other thing to keep in mind is we looked at a select set of panels of lipids. We only see changes in something. If we looked at that something, there could be other mm -hmm. somethings. Sure. We haven't looked at. So I don't think the goal here was to define specific markers, you know, diagnostic markers to look at. The goal was just to get a little bit better idea of what's going on with the serum lipid profile and ask whether that correlates with changes in the gene expression profile. If you go look at figure six mm -hmm. paper, this was an effort to try to connect some of those changes in serum lipids to downstream effects on the gene expression pattern. And so that's the, the changes in the lipids that are reflected there at the top of that figure. And then they're connected through basically, yeah, through a calcium signaling pathway to a lot of downstream pathways from there for, for which we saw changes in gene expression. And then at the bottom of the figure, it summarizes what functions inside the cell might be impacted by those upstream changes. It does a, a really nice job also uh, discussing about the inflammatory response and the fatty acid metabolism and the depolarization of the membrane. Uh, just a, a cascade of things that can occur when the cow has that negative energy balance. And so for boots on the ground dairy producers, what what would be your recommendation on how could they potentially prevent this cascade from ever beginning? Yeah, well, we, we call it the high fertility cycle. And if you can get the herd into what we call a high fertility cycle, then you minimize the number of cows that have issues with a deep fat loss after, after calving. So what I mean by that is if cows become pregnant earlier in lactation, and, and there's obviously a point... Uh, in lactation, I don't think any of us know exactly what that point is, where there's a uh, a break-even point for uh, whenever uh, cows can get pregnant too soon, and and then that costs you on on the other end of things. But and and at least in our hands, if cows were pregnant before 130 days in milk, 
they had a much less of a chance of of gaining body condition later in lactation and being fat mm -hmm. at calving. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. the key is is to have cows pregnant before 130 days in milk. Mm -hmm. And that that limits the number of cows that get too fat. If cows go, as you know, as cows get too far in, out in lactation when, when they become pregnant, those cows are going to have a longer lactation and they're going to have a longer lactation with less milk production. And when that happens, they're going to gain body condition and they're going to be too fat at calving. Those are the cows that cause these issues to occur. And it's mostly in older cows, not younger cows. And first lactation cows, we didn't see as big of a difference in, in some of these studies, but that's why we chose second plus lactation cows for this particular study. Absolutely. So that's key. And if, and if you can get cows pregnant before 130 days in milk, they, they're, they're about somewhere between a two, seven, two, eight, and a three body condition score at calving. Those cows are going to lose less body condition or may not lose body condition at all. And they're going to have a greater chance of being more fertile the next time you breed them 60, 70, 80 days later after cat. I love the title of a high fertility cycle that you were referring to, and, and it really is all related. And it's to get that call from a dairy producer that is concerned about reproduction, but oftentimes they, they call too late. The whole herd is well beyond 200 days of milk. Um, and it, it's hard to get them to turn around. And at that point, um, you often see them gaining that right. body condition score and, and it starts to spiral. Yeah, no and doubt. So, that's, a, that's, a bad, that's a bad situation for herds to get into. And the, the key would be to find a program that they can use to get as many cows pregnant on first AI as possible. And what we recommend is one of three fertility programs, double OBSYNC, uh, the G6D program, or pre-SYNC uh, 11 OBSYNC, which are all timed AI programs, you can't achieve this uh, with, with uh, breeding to an estrus with those programs. You can breed to an estrus after they come back in heat 21 days later, mm -hmm. but not uh, during the, any of those three programs. So they all have to be timed AI. There's a good reason for that. We won't get into that today, but uh, they all, all have very high fertility for first AI. And that's critical. If you start out with those, you have very high fertility to begin with. And you have, for example, between 45 and 55% pregnant after first AI, then it's much easier to get more cows, the rest of the cows pregnant, uh, or at least a good percentage of them before 130 days. Our goal is to uh, at least have 80% pregnant uh, before 130 days in milk. I love that benchmark. That's definitely something we can all go back to our records and, and reference to make sure that we're achieving that. Because if you, if you don't, then we're going to start this spiral of negative energy balance, which your research here published in the Journal of Dairy Science this month is, is showing has gene expression differences that changes the egg of, of your cow and prevents her from having high fertility. Very good. So based on the outcomes of your study, what are the reasons for the differences between the fertility of these two groups? Yeah, is it is it egg quality? Is it is it egg quality? Is it reproductive tract? Is it some parameter of maternal physiology? We're we're trying to flesh out the knowledge there a little bit more. And basically, it looks like the oocyte quality is part of uh, part of the part of the effect. Maybe not all. It does look like that 
the oocyte is part of the problem? Do we think it's all of the problem? We don't know the answer to that, uh, but it certainly is part of the problem. And, and this was one study. This was potentially the first study. Um, you mentioned looking at subsequent cycles. Um, one could envision doing a similar kind of analysis on oocytes collected in subsequent um, cycles to see if oocyte quality recovers. You know, is, is it a transient effect or is it a more long-term effect? I, I think we it's still an active area of study, basic oocyte biology. How long do um, these negative impacts in the ovary persist in the oocyte population? Do they get corrected or do they, you know, persist and, and give long-lasting effects on, on egg quality? I think that's a very much an active area of study still. That would be a really interesting future project. Uh, you know, as you were discussing that, I, I have to wonder, I know some producers are gaining rate by by utilizing embryo transfer. And so I was wondering if you could speak, and, and I know this wasn't looked at in your project, but it just in, in this discussion, it's kind of stirred my thought. I wonder, is there something that's occurring in the cow that's making her more fertile or more capable of carrying that embryo that's uh, past the phase is that is that why we're seeing improved fertility or i guess pregnancy rates with embryo transfer do you think wow that's a great question i i think it's it's potential it's possible now we only used the older cows in this study the second plus lactation cows so uh, that being said uh, those cows were the ones that were the problem with regards to fertility following this body condition loss. And when you bypass all that, that's one way to bypass that is to put an embryo in, in that cow, a, a number one grade embryo from obviously uh, another another cow mm -hmm. that would bypass that and potentially improve fertility. That's, that is a study that has not been done where they've taken cows with extreme body condition loss versus none and then put in embryos just to see if you can alter that the impact of that, which you would think would. You would think that the embryos would would have uh, much better fertility than the uh, potential for the oocyte that's having these issues. So um, no doubt that would be a, an alternative. You know, if you want to improve first, first service conception rates, that would be an alternative method for sure. That's a great question. Perhaps by, by doing that, you'd be able to determine if it's an inflammatory response effect or, or exclusively an oocyte effect. So just to be clear, I read about early embryonic loss in popular press. That's not what we're talking about here, correct? This is going to be long before you ever get the opportunity to believe that she's pregnant. Is that correct? Uh, well, we don't know uh, the answer to that question, to be quite honest. I mean, we don't know what the, uh, the studies that are published right now didn't have great embryonic loss information in it. So so they had pregnancy data, but they didn't have the follow-up with, with the embryonic losses. So don't know the answer to that, that question. And we're certainly interested in those things and are studying pregnancy loss quite a bit uh, these days. Uh, but uh, that's a great question. We don't know the answer to. On a, on a conceptual level, reduced egg quality could lead to subsequent embryo demise. Mm -hmm. Not sure when that would happen and what it would be before implantation. It could potentially happen after implantation. Um, there's a whole field, you know, of developmental origins of disease that would posit that things that happen very early 
in the oocyte or embryo can have a big impact on even adult phenotype and project. Mm. Good, being, real good. Being, being pretty far afield there, but um, it's still a bit of a black box, isn't it? Um, well, kind of. I mean, um, some of the work by Tom Fleming looking at effects of mild protein restriction in maternal diet. If you Mm-hmm. If you reduce the protein content of mom's diet by half during the pre-implantation period and mm-hmm. restore a normal diet, progeny wind up being hypertensive wow. as adults. And um, it's believed that that very mild change in protein content creates a stress. And then the embryo adapts to that stress, but that adaptation to that stress is kind of reversible yeah but then when you change the diet back now the embryo is not optimized for the new environment that it finds itself in so that leads to you know downstream effects potentially on stem cell populations and things like that that can affect the development of the kidney or you know other other organs so it's 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 a black box but it's it's maybe more of a gray box we have some inclinations of some possible mechanisms but i'm you know I don't think anyone has really mapped out specific uh, sequelae of events to show how uh, to, to show how these things work. Um, but uh, I applaud both of you guys for your your research, gathering up pieces and parts of the puzzle that will help shape the discussion as we move forward and and directly impact the reproductive success of our of our dairy herd and. This has been incredibly informative, and I really want to thank you for your time. And listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day today to learn about how your early lactation change in body condition score could impact the oocyte of your open cow that you're trying to breed back before 130 days. So I've really enjoyed our conversation, learning about reproduction on this molecular level. This has been the August edition of the Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast project designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles in press, sound science that you can base your management decisions around, provided by your University of Missouri dairy team. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share to get future editions straight to your cell phone. This is Reagan Blue with the Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.